Hey boys and girls, we're back. Welcome to Ugly in the Morning. This is episode 29. We've been sitting here agonizing over a, a, a funny or interesting intro and we come up with nothing. So what we're going to do is just, we're going to take our drinks right now. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I got myself a shot of Crown Reserve here. You got me a beer. All right, let's have at it. All right, here we go, guys. We're back. Mm. Uh, all right, we're on the clock. Ben, mm. play some goddamn Dreyfus. Listeners, friends and countrymen, brothers and sisters, how you guys been? Uh, oh, excuse me, we haven't done this in a long, long time. Uh, I think you might have actually forgotten who I am. Excuse me, one second here. Hi, I'm Derek. Oh, hey, I'm Ben. Ben. Good to meet you. Yeah, you too. Um, yeah, I've seen you around. Yeah, I'll, I'll be your co-host this evening. Oh, awesome. That is uh, better than the last guy. Yeah, you're you're uh, running the soundboard? Uh, yeah, I do knobs and buttons and, yeah. Okay, I mean, I've, I've heard you're good at it. Nah. No, I mean, your, your reputation precedes you, so... I, mean, I push buttons a lot, so... Yeah. You are a bit, bit, bit of a button pusher. Yeah. That's what I do. So, okay, guys. Um, been a while. Yeah. It, we looked at the uh, the dates here. We haven't actually come in here and recorded in about six weeks. And... Uh, <coughs> that Who's was, counting? Yeah, that was a very special episode. So, it's been closer to two months since we did a real episode, replete with all the dick jokes and whatnot. <laughs> So I'm going to pour myself one more shot of this delicious Crown Reserve here. Ben, thank you for this. Yeah. And then I'm going to chase it with a big old redneck Mountain Dew from Arby's. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I got nothing else. So, okay, we're going to the playbook here. Guys, again, we're sorry. Um, Life has been in flux lately. We're both going through, I don't know, transitions just sort of moving through the stages of adulthood and it's just kind of one kick in the nuts after another would you not agree sir yes yeah so that's that's what's been preventing us um from sitting down and recording for you guys that and just general laziness (laughs) malaise indifference um all those things are yeah i think that's the prominent definition there a reason yeah those are the things that have led to our lack of production the last couple of months we're sorry but not really we've had a lot of shit going on we've been dealing with it um yeah fuck off yeah it's a miracle that we're you know sitting here and recording for you right now at all and honestly this is probably going to be our last episode i know i've said that before repeatedly but no this time i really mean it 29 sounds like a good number to just cap it off. Episode 29. We've been doing this well over a year now, and it's uh, not paid off at all. There's been zero reward in it. <laughs> and that's why I'm about to have another shot of whiskey right here. Excuse me one second. Oh, and you can hear the kids in the background. You can. You can hear the children's playing in the background. They're probably playing Roblox. Hmm. Um, so, okay. Now you um, just touched on something, though. What's that? We're, we're, we've been doing this over a year now. We have. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, it is to me. Uh, everybody else probably doesn't give a shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't commit to relationships for a year, much less something as silly as this. <laughs> but uh, you you made a good point earlier. Um, why not just do a, a quick synopsis, a, a brief summary of who we are and what we're doing here? What, what and who are ugly in the morning? Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and feel this one? Oh, what? Uh, you well, heard me. Say words, motherfucker. Words, yeah. So... We talk about shit. Um, and you that's about it. You, you can't. Fr- it's hard not to frame it like they framed it, uh, Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. Which actually, this is a show about nothing. We cannot deny that. Uh, if you go back to to our first episodes, I think we kind of explained it out in there. That we're regular guys. We are. We we both work uh, blue collar jobs in the construction industry. Yep. Don't make a whole lot of money at all. Nope. We uh, we reside in the greater Tampa, Florida area, much to our chagrin. Yeah. Um, we got shit to say. We do have shit to say. Yeah. Um, we, we both, uh, we're, we're about the same age. We have kids the same age. They're best friends. Um, yeah, we're not paid to say anything, so we'll say whatever the fuck we feel like when we want to. Correct. Um, we have some things in common. You're married. Um, I've heard of it. <laughs> what, marriage? Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, why are we doing this? Why, why did we start ugly in the morning? We need an outlet. We obviously, uh, we, we both come from, um, artistic backgrounds with music. Correct. Uh, so, so we know, we know audio, we know some of this stuff. Um, you're, you're on the writer side. Yeah. uh, Kind of an art fag. Uh, not a nice thing to say, but yeah, that's, I would describe (laughs) myself as an art fag. Yeah. So. There's there's an artistic thing that we're trying to form here, and uh, and this is the the I guess the best way we could uh, bring it all together. Yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. I used to frame it as just a a, a practical alternative to suicide, but no, this is <laughs> it's an endeavor. It's a, it's a little artistic outlet that I I felt we we both needed at this stage in our lives. You yeah, know, we're we're both teetering right around forty, and it's just we're at that age when everything sucks. Nothing is fun anymore. You start wondering why you're even here, why you're still alive, why you get out of bed each fucking day. You, I'm, I don't. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out, quite honestly. But, uh, you know, doing this podcast, it's it's a good way to get some of that shit out. Just to yeah. air some grievances, share some ideas and opinions, vent a little bit of a rage. It it, it feels better. Uh, I will second that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a nice bit of vindication. Yeah, um, I like how over the past year, though, we've we've gotten... I don't shit. I don't know. Fifty people to like our page oh, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. The numbers those are, are high standards. The numbers um, are staggering, people. But the feedback that we do get, I think it's cool, just because it shows that people are actually listening. The few that actually do. A few. Yes, uh, we do have a few very loyal followers, and yeah. we're very grateful for them. And they'll call us out. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. And you know who you are. So you're probably listening to us right now in your car on the way to work traversing what is most likely Tampa traffic. Um, <laughs> or Fresno. Oh, oh, shit, shit, shit. On the right, on the right. Look out. Okay. Um, so so why did we take so long? Um, I wrote a few questions here. Did we lose our mojo? Mm, did we ever have mojo? I don't know. When we started this thing, we came into it with both guns blazing. <laughs> we used to sit every Friday or Saturday night, and we would, we would talk out the entire episode, and we would write it in our journal, and uh, we would kind of, you know, list out our topics um, in the order in which we wanted to do them and then our commercials and our music breaks and all that stuff. And we just stopped doing that. Uh, it started to feel like work. Well, it is. I mean, shit. Yeah. 
This actually does take some effort, but yeah, what started as a fun artistic endeavor, though it is still fun, it is beginning to feel like work. It feels like a job. Well, all the all the work part of it, I think, comes before and after. The actual sitting down and talking part is the easy part. Um, I feel like possibly. I don't know. I I actually feel like. I'm, I'm very critical of, of what we do while we sit down in front of these microphones. But you're the editor. You're the, you're the person who does the actual work. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Anyway. So, um, Ugly in the Morning. We are sponsored, as usual, by our friends Tim and Vonda at Tim's Till and Seed. Yeah. 4680 Old Tractor Highway, Dothan, Alabama. Dothan. Dothan, Alabama. So be sure to go visit Tim and Vonda and try some of Vonda's award-winning sweet tea. Dothan, man, that's I think that's on the way to the uh, the Redneck Riviera, uh, Panama City Beach. Panama City, Florida. Fucking a. Oh wait, is that that's Florida, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, it's funny. I've lived here almost seven years now, and I still have barely made it out of the Greater Tampa area. I don't know my way around at all. You don't need to. It's all the same. It's all flat and fucking alligators and swamp. I haven't been to the Keys. I haven't been to Miami. I haven't been to Daytona. I haven't been to Tallahassee, Gainesville. Nothing. Just the greater Tampa area. Yeah, everybody says that shit. Oh, you gotta go to Miami at least once. No, I don't, dude. It's fucking hot. (laughs) No. Can it be any worse than Tampa? I highly doubt it. (laughs) I'm looking at the playbook here. It it also, I wrote, where do we stand with this show? Um, On the left. Thank you for that. Yep. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, music by our friends Dreyfus back in uh, California. So big ups and props and shout outs and all that good shit to our friends Dreyfus. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Uh, we are uh, back on the clock. So we're going to cut to a quick commercial and we will think of some actual shit to talk about. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanksgiving holidays are right around the corner, and at Tim's Till and Seed, that means sales. We're going to have sales on Indian corn, power tools, and flannel shirts. We have 32 different colors of American cotton flannel shirts, sure to meet your attire needs for any event and occasion. So come on down to Dothan, Alabama this holiday season, and come see us at Tim's Till and Seed. We'll leave the gate open for you. three shots of, of crown royal whiskey don't don't you start with me so ben quick question for you without even thinking about it what is your biggest pet peeve uh just one just one just one yep mm. cue the jeopardy music I, well okay people that whistle in public Ooh. okay d- elaborate just a little bit while i take this shot 
I, anybody that whistles in public. I mean, because it's usually a song that, it, I don't know, it's not an instrument. You're whistling it. So if you're trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is that person whistling? You're trying to, like, say, is that a song? Like what song is that? Is it is it a is it a country song? Is it an eighties song? Like what's you're trying to catch the rhythm and like recognize it, okay. and then all the while, it's not a fucking song. It's just some dipshit that's out there fucking just whistling no no tune just because. What makes you think that everybody else around you wants to hear you fucking whistle? I don't want to hear that shit. Keep that shit in your head. Okay, that's yeah. good, and and you're right. Unless it is the first thirty seconds of Patience by Guns N' Roses, it's usually just some random, arbitrary. Yeah, but I would recognize that well, exactly. But really, that's like one of the few things that one could whistle, and other people could easily identify. And, it, and it's usually somebody that's like they're whistling like really chipper, like you know what I mean, like well, yeah. going to town. You're like fuck you for being happy. What would be really amusing is uh, a person who whistled when they were sad or depressed. Have you ever tried to whistle while eating crackers? I have not. It's fucking impossible. You Though can't do it. I, I've done damn near everything else while eating crackers, but no, I have not tried whistling. Uh, uh, I'm talking about whistling out of your ass with crackers. Oh, um, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I'll give you, uh, even though you didn't ask, I was just, you know, waiting for my turn to speak. No, I axed. All right, well, you didn't ask me, but I'm still going to tell you anyway. My biggest pet peeve is um, people who can't show restraint when it comes to food. <laughs> what, eating it? Or? I'm, I'm not a fattest here, but I don't know. My, my biggest is, um, for instance, like say you're with somebody and you go to McDonald's and mm -hmm. you dine in and they put your tray down. I love how that on the counter you dine in, <laughs> dine in at yes. a fucking fast food at place at McDonald's. Yeah, it's but, real classy. All right, can I fucking finish here? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, so you know, you, you, they put their tray down, and you pick up the tray, and you start walking to your table, and it's the person who's already got a mouthful of French fries before they even sit down. <laughs> like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Can you can you wait just ten seconds until you're actually seated and have your napkin before you start stuffing your need hole? <laughs> Exactly. That's just, I don't know why that just bothers me to my core. I used to work with a guy that uh, we, we did routes. We were doing landscaping, mowing lawns and stuff. So we're constantly eating fast food every day. Sure. And this this fat fuck, he, he wanted to eat. The, the fast food place is open at 1030, apparently. Well, mm. that's when they start serving lunch. Right. So we'd be there at 1029. Okay. And he would order all this shit. He was one of those guys that would take his fries back up to the counter and be like, "Yeah, this this shit ain't full, man. You need to that's not a full scoop. You need to put the whole scoop in there. I'm paying 5.99. You need to fill that shit up." I'm like, "Are you just sit the fuck down? What are you doing?" I tell you, this was back in down home Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I am often ashamed. I mean, working in the in the industry that we do um, in construction and just kind of, you know, given the nature of, of our job, I hate how fast food plays into our lives oh, as God. much as it does. It's like you depend on it, you know? Yeah, I mean... Like, who wants to make a lunch? You, you've got 30 minutes while you're on the go driving about town, and you, you've got to stuff your need hole... And uh, name a healthy option. Well, you're going down Hillsboro. What, what's a healthy thing you can stop and eat? <sighs> that's, that's fast? That's not crazy expensive and, yes, is fast and convenient. Nothing. 
Uh, no, yeah. The best you can hope for is Subway. And even there, there's no drive through. You're still going to stand in line behind other idiots who I, have I told no you idea my, what they want. My Subway uh, psychology, right, with how, how you put toppings on, on your sub. Um, does it have anything to do with Jared? Uh, kind of. Okay, enlighten yeah. me. You have to rape your bread. Um, the, the, this apply well, not just Subway. This applies to any any place where you're telling people how to put your sandwich together. Okay. Uh, and I've tested this out. It works. All right, so when when you get to the lettuce part and you say, you're not a big lettuce fan, but you want some on there, right? And you're like, yeah, just give me a little bit of lettuce on there. They grab a fucking handful and just plop, plop that shit on there. Okay. Never works. Uh, if you say, please give me a small amount of lettuce, it fucking works every time, I'm telling you. If something clicks in the person's head where they're like, small amount, hmm. Huh. That's not a large amount. That's a small amount. Let me. Okay, so let me sprinkle a little bit on there. Yeah, but you just say, yeah, let me get a little bit of lettuce. That translates into how much can I fit in my fucking hand, and then slop it on this sandwich. Well, okay. try that shit. I'm telling you. That that was enlightening. Thank you. I I feel much larger as a person. That's your psychology 101 for today. Yeah. So okay, um, episode 29. Um, we didn't plot out a whole lot. However, what we're gonna do Obviously. here is uh, we're actually going to get topical. We're, we're going to be that guy. We're going to be the podcast that we determined we would never be, uh, but we're actually just going to discuss some current event kind of shit uh, because some of the current events right now are really fucking interesting, polarizing, worth talking about, and uh, in lieu of something interesting, we're going to talk about current events. And uh, we're going to begin with, uh, if you... Read the headlines lately, you will notice that everybody in Hollywood is getting raped. About time. Shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a confession, Ben. I, hmm? uh, I too, was raped. Mm, how did it feel? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, it's not actually true. But now that everybody is coming forward with their stories of uh, sexual assault and malfeasance and uh, inappropriate and lascivious touching and, and lewd behavior... I don't. I don't want to be left out, so I'm just going to come forward and say somebody touched my butthole right now. Oh, so I, is that that explains that deposit slip sticking out of your uh, pocket there? That's the one. Okay, but uh, dude, what the fuck? Uh, okay, it started with the Weinstein thing. Yeah. Okay, it started out he. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I just know names and images. Uh, there's Ashley Judd and Rose McGowan, and, and, and apparently he did some bad stuff, and he was uh, pushy, touchy feely, uh, 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 pulley, gropey, rubby, rubby. I don't know exactly what the fuck he did, but then suddenly there was just this this cascade, this avalanche of of women coming forward with all the same allegations about Weinstein. <sighs> Can we can we both agree that like people on like when you look at the people that are uh, accusing and the accusers or whatever on both sides they look like they, you could see it happening you know what I mean well, like who who did you just say um not the Judd but the other one Rose McGowan yeah I could picture her blowing somebody off for a role <sighs> willingly you know, it's kind of a terrible thing to say but I don't entirely disagree yeah. But I don't know. I, I mean, I have a few problems with this. Sexual assault um, and, and uh, inappropriate behavior of that, of that ilk, it, it's, it's such a dodgy topic because it's always hearsay. It's always he said, she said. Because, I don't know, w- without 
actual video or photos, there, there's there's so no evidence of what actually transpired. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fuck that. It, with all the Snapchat and fucking all this shit now that, you know, where people are recording, you got everyone, every time there's a police shooting, there's somebody there with a fucking cell phone recording it. Mm-hmm. So all these people that are accusing of, like, rape and shit didn't happen to have their fucking phones on them or something. And Right, but this is, this is a, a rich and powerful and famous man. I mean, I, I believe most of these, uh, you know transgressions took place in private Mm. Uh, probably no cell phone video or anything like that but here's the problem so many women have come forward and said that that um you know pretty much the same story um it sounded like he had a a pretty specific routine when it came to a you know bagging babes um well you look at the guy how else is he gonna get laid (laughs) correct he's he's not the prettiest guy around um sublime made a song about this Oh, Jesus Christ. I know what you're talking about there. I know what that meant. I got the <laughs> reference. I, I don't know. It, obviously, he has a reputation. If if that many people have come forward and said that he did something, anything, then there's got to be validity to it. Well, it's like the Bill Cosby thing, man. When it, when that when that yes. story first came out, I yes. was like, God, whatever. These bitches are just looking for money. And then, you know, the second and the third and the fourth, and you're like, okay, maybe there's something... Okay, yeah, he definitely, yeah, he's yeah. a fucking pedophile. Like yeah, the, fucking... the the count was like at like forty women uh, yeah. had come forward or something like that. So obviously the guy has a, has like a, a predatory nature. He's got a fucking problem. He's got a big problem now because as of today, uh, November fourth, two thousand seventeen, I believe the New York Police Department is putting together a uh, viable rape case against him. Hmm, good. He's looking at like prison time. Good. I like seeing these kind of stories. Not that the fact that there's rape involved, but the fact that it, it shows that even these fucks in Hollywood can still get arrested. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That they're that they still have to be held accountable, just like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, because you have money, because you have power, because you have clout in a huge industry, that doesn't mean you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, and the, uh, now Kevin Spacey. See, this is the part that doesn't make any sense to me. Is because the Weinstein's, I get it. They're fucking ugly shits, right? So how else are they going to get laid? You know, they, they're going to have to pay for it or uh, force it. But Spacey and even Dustin Hoffman, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't. You know. got money. You're decent looking. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it, if if you Google it right now, if you you know Google sexual assault allegations. Oh, there's a uh, list. Yeah, there, there's been just such a glut of them. It's like the the Weinstein thing. It like really just opened up the floodgates, and then like it, it seems that. Half of half of Hollywood, uh, men and women alike, are are now involved in in, in uh, bad sexual conduct in one capacity or another. You know, you know what though. Even if like with the Kevin Spacey thing, uh, you know, he went to trial, pled guilty, this and that, whatever. Oh, he, but no, he never went to trial. He just had a couple of young. No, or, I'm saying if he did. Oh, if he did. Okay, I'm sorry. If he did. Yeah. And. He, you know, during the trial, a part of his last statement to the jury is, House of Cards, season nine, next June. Everybody would still watch it. Probably. No, I just, I, I hate sensation. I hate sensationalized stories. Um, you know, this, it started out as one woman finally found the balls to come out against Harvey Weinstein. And it, and it, it, it started a, a flood. Um, but that that many women came forward, I don't know, to me, it kind of kills the credibility of the story like could it possibly have been that many or or did 
is this just next the, the next buzzword? Is this the next ice bucket challenge? Oh, oh, I, like like suddenly it's popular. If if you want to keep yourself uh, noteworthy, if you want to stay in the limelight, well, now you have to come forward as a a victim of some kind. Yeah, and, and I also I also take the perspective too with when it comes to Hollywood and these kind of scandals and shit that it it. Uh, I kind of feel like the uh, the payoffs may have stopped happening, and that's why now all of a sudden it's becoming an issue. You know mm, what I mean? Yes, and and you kind of bring up another point there. It's 2017, and this is finally, finally, finally just coming to the forefront that uh, um, very powerful people in Hollywood are are using their status to uh, <clears throat> get what they want, as it were. But yeah. you can you can guarantee goddamn tea that this goes back 100 years to the golden age of Hollywood uh, from oh, way, yeah. way 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 back you know to Fatty Arbuckle Frank Capra people of Hollywood's distant past uh, executives and directors and producers throwing their weight around to basically seduce young women. Could you imagine if Charlie Chaplin was trying to rape somebody? I'm pretty sure he did, but as playing a mime. <laughs> <laughs> How would that play out? Oh, it was all sign language. God, with Harpo like, Marx as his... Pointing to his dick. He's oh. like, mm-hmm. And, and you hear kind of the uh, the, the, the tinkly uh, silent movie piano music <laughs> behind it. Like early, early <laughs> snuff film soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you. I kind of needed that. But yeah, yeah what were we saying earlier? Um, you know, young Hollywood starlets back in, say, the 1920s, 30s. Greta Garbo, um, she wasn't that great an actress, but she was super hot. I mean, I, I have to wonder how she got famous, how she got her roles. Even uh, Judy Garland, uh, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm, I'm just saying this behavior has been around for 100 years just in Hollywood. Um, and it's kind of amazing that it's just now really come to the forefront. Suck a D to get a G. That's what you got to do. I, I don't even know what that means, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, take that for what it's worth, and we'll be right back with Ugly in the Morning. Well, it was in my childhood day, for many long years ago, now with the spirit. Now I'm a savior I was filled Not filled Oh This portion of Ugly in the Morning is brought to you by Somalax by Feaser Making you a better you Side effects may include nausea, diarrhea, dry mouth, confusion, sleeplessness, and insomnia, muscle fatigue, cramping, irritability, gassiness, headache, muscle spasms, temporary blindness, death and or coma, chronic fatigue, irritable bowels, constipation, erectile dysfunction, vaginal dryness, dry eyes, lucid dreams, snoring, sinus pain, epilepsy, suicidal thoughts or depression, loose stool, tooth discoloration, pica, genital herpes, parvo, rabies, flesh-eating bacteria, shingles, flu-like symptoms, eczema, rapid weight loss, rapid weight gain, bipolarity, hallucinations, sudden infant death syndrome, asphyxia, vomiting, hair loss, arthritis, dehydration, Parkinson's disease, restless leg syndrome, nocturnal emissions, elephantitis, infertility, cold sweats, hot sweats, and constipation. This product, get it? Shit. This product is not yet approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Use as directed.
listening to Ugly in the Morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking this um, Yingling Black and Tan. For those of you who actually have been listening for some time, um, just so you know, we sit together in a fairly small room. It's about a, what, like a 10 by 10 room, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sit about five or six feet apart, basically facing opposite directions. So it's weird. We we don't really look at each other while we talk, like like uh, in a normal like radio studio format where we sit staring across a table at one another. No, I sit at one table staring at this wall. Ben sits at an adjacent table staring in the opposite direction. Look at the computer screen. And uh, yeah, just so you know, we probably have a finite amount of time. We're gonna burn through these next segments. These next couple what? of segments. Sorry, I'm pouring myself a drink here. Yeah, the children are getting restless. The children are getting restless. We both yeah, have six-year-olds. They're playing video games right now, but it's getting late, and one of them is going to want somebody to come and lay down with them. Mm-hmm. I have guesses yep. as to who that's going to be. So, Ben, okay, check it out. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I'm starting to miss Bernie Sanders, dude. Huh? Yeah, I I was just thinking about this today, reading the news, and and I it just occurred to me I miss Bernie Sanders. I, mm. I I wish he were back right now as a presidential option. <laughs> Being uh, I guess what what's the motive behind this? What um, what's well, triggered this Bernie appreciation? It's it's no I, I've made no secret that uh, I'm I'm not uh, pleased with the way things are currently. Um, what Pat Oswalt described him as a shriveled scrotum coated in Cheeto dust. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, oh, fuck again. Uh, back to the headlines because we're so fucking topical. Uh, what was it? Uh, Mueller's investigation today, as of November fourth, two thousand seventeen, has revealed something indicating that both. Uh, what was it? Uh. uh uh, Trump's campaign and, and Hillary's campaign were somehow both um, involved in the whole Russia scandal trying to fuck one another over. I don't know all the details of it, but I'm starting to to wonder if maybe the had things been done ethically on the up and up, if the real presidential election shouldn't have possibly come down to like Jeb Bush and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Jeb Bush. Or, oh, or whoever the hell was on the uh, the... The the uh, Republican ticket uh, running against Trump. I don't, I don't even remember at this point. Never really gave a fuck. Hmm. Uh, but uh, what, what, I'm still trying to figure out what what was to gain from uh, being in cahoots with the Russians. Uh, the the Russians were um, subtly spreading misinformation about both parties on social media platforms like Facebook. Well, don't they do that anyway? Why do they need the Russians to do that? That's what I don't understand. Well, here's what I really don't understand. You know those those grainy little memes and uh, little propaganda pamphlets that pop up on the right side of your Facebook scroll? Yeah. Do you ever fucking read them? I mean, they're nonsense. No. 
that that's what bothers me the most. I I know them. I've seen them come up before, and they have you know it's just a, a like a paragraph of political rhetoric or something like that, and they're fucking nonsense. I mean, don't even read them. If you do read them, then you clearly have too much spare time, and if you're influenced by them, if you're if you're somehow if those stupid grainy little memes can somehow sway your opinion one way or another, then you're just a nitwit of epic proportions. Well, it's pretty much everyone on Facebook. They, they, they yeah, the influence and the propaganda and all that shit. All right, now do keep in mind that Facebook is our only social media outlet right now, and it's the only way we've managed to communicate with any of our listeners. Fuck Facebook. Any any of the six of you that are might still be remotely interested in what we have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we gave up on Twitter. I don't know. Are we still a presence on Instagram? Uh, yeah. Or, Somewhat. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I was supposed to handle the Twitter account, and at some point I just got bored with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was fairly convinced that nobody was listening. But, yeah, anyway, I, I still, I, I'm kind of feeling the burn right now. <laughs> I, I know the, he's not your guy. Um, you uh, lean right politically, so Bernie Sanders is probably just Satan to you. No, no, not at all. No? No. I really? don't agree with him. But, uh, I mean, we kind of discussed some of this earlier. Um, I feel like he's more authentic. That's very much what I like about Bernie Sanders. Wh- whichever way you may lean politically, the guy's like a little nasty pit bull with, with no manners and no social graces whatsoever. But I feel like he's genuine and sincere. No, I, I feel like uh, like Obama, I feel like he was like a, like a poster child for the left. You know, they're like, uh, well, you're black. Um, you got big ears. Um, perfect. Just go out there and say this. And then he got elected. Okay, so I, I know that you do not like Obama in the least, but so you're basically saying that you felt like Obama was just a puppet, a figurehead yeah. for the left. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Bernie was, like, he truly believes the shit. Like, it's it's in his soul. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree there. And, and God damn it, if, if he manages to run again in 2020, I am goddamn sure going to get off my arse and go and vote for him this time. <laughs> Sorry, we, we may have to have it out in 2020, but uh, yeah, I'm still feeling the burn at this point. Because when he does talk, I feel like he's got integrity, like he's earnest and, and actually believes in what he's saying and has... He has a utopia in mind, and he will actually get out there and get after it. Well, the fucked up part is that it, just like just like what's going on in the Republican Party right now is you have your uh, your rhino establishment, and then you have your conservative base that are feuding amongst the same party lines. Is the same thing what happened with with the burn was basically Hillary came in and just strong armed him and be like bitch. Get out of the way. This is my race, not yours. Yeah, and that that kind of appears to be the case uh, with uh, Robert Mueller's investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it looks like Hillary fucked him. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she has an enormous dick. She does have an enormous dick. That's absolutely true. Hang on, I'm taking a drink right here. Yeah? Cheers, everybody. God, here's to you. May you be in heaven half an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Mmm. <laughs> oh, that is the best. So Jesus, we're we're all topical tonight, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood sex scandals and Bernie Sanders and oh, it gets better. Yeah, it gets better, better, better. All right, Mister Army Ranger. Um, I'm gonna start. Uh, uh, 
kind of letting you take the lead on this, but some headlines that have been piquing my interest lately um, involve uh, the military. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which was a uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, we had a, uh, a a former Marine sergeant, sergeant uh, major, sergeant major. I'm sorry, uh, Damian Rodriguez. Uh, this took place in uh, Portland, Oregon, and it was a very small headline. But it was a guy who served, I believe, four tours of duty in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in an Iraqi restaurant in Portland, and apparently he snapped. Something happened. He got up. He started acting weird, and he picked up a chair, and he leveled his waiter with the chair. As you should. And uh, it became a whole big thing. He was arrested, um, and everybody said, oh, hate crime, hate crime, because it was an Iraqi restaurant and an Iraqi waiter. Um, so yes, at, he had a, he was a white man with a shaved head. So yes, all fingers pointed toward hate crime until I listened to, uh, the New York times daily podcast and they did kind of an expose on it. And then you find out that, uh, there was a great deal more to this story. Yeah. Um, he served four tours of duty. Um, he spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan, mostly Iraq. Um, it sounds like. It sounds like he saw a lot of shit when he was in Iraq. He lost guys under his command um, during a firefight um, in which I believe they were basically beset on all sides, right? Yeah. Like they were surrounded. They were flanked on both sides. It was an ambush, yeah. And um, yeah, it sounds like uh, not a lot of them made it out and they just made it out by the skin of their teeth and... and, um, it sounded like he saw some really nasty shit when he was there. And he's been back in the States for a while, and it sounds like he's having a hell of a hard time letting go of everything that he saw there. PTSD, for short. Um, but it sounds like, you know, what what he went through there really fucked him up. And, and he's having trouble um, getting... Coping. Yeah, he's he's not coping. Um, it sounds like he's still trying to reconcile with with having lost troops um, in his command. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not exactly sure how to phrase this. Hmm? Um, at this point, I mean, it, it sounds like he he still he saw Iraqi people in Portland and and still couldn't help seeing them as the enemy. Um, Iraqi people. Iraqi people, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. The, I, I didn't do the story any justice there, but it it kind of fucked me up a little bit. And and I have How no... So? I don't know. I have no personal stake in this. I'm not a veteran. I wasn't there. I don't know what any of you guys went through. But just the story itself, it, it kind of touched me in a way. I it, it really... I don't know. I really felt for the guy. Yes, what he did was wrong. Uh, but the way they framed, not framed it or spun it, it just, they really made you think, um, you know, the reason for doing what he did is, is uh, it's fairly deep, it's fairly profound, and it's fairly saddening, really. I mean, the guy was really fucked up, and, he, and he's still trying to assimilate reality. And, and it just, it kind of makes you think, uh, like, you, you have no fucking idea what people go through. Ben, you do. You've been there. Uh, yeah, somewhat, yeah. Uh, before I get into my uh, deep, long explanation and interpretation and all this, I, I do want to throw out uh, a special shout-out here. Uh, please do. We've got uh, one of our listeners, Jesse Sperling. 
Jesse, is yes. currently on deployment in Afghanistan as we speak. That's right. Uh, uh, Jesse, <laughs> I love seeing Jesse's comments on our page. Yeah. They're, they're usually pretty comical. But, uh, yeah, dude, people are still out there serving. Um, people are still overseas and the shit, you know, uh, doing things uh, that others don't want to do. You know, uh, he's it, him and all of his boys over there in his platoon. They're fucking ground pounding every day, you know, doing what they got to do. Uh, it's easy for us to forget that shit back here, you know, in the comfort of our home and the air conditioning and, uh, you know, uh, Uber Eats. You know, we tend to forget that shit. People are still out there serving. And and that he just deployed to Afghanistan. That tells me that everything that we're discussing and everything that we're about to discuss is not over yet. Not remotely. Yeah, yeah. Your your service... Um, we, we just got Laney back. Yeah, Laney, Laney just got back. Eric, um, he just uh, ETS out of the Army, which is, you know, basically your separation from service. Yep. Um, what, a, what a lot of people don't under, don't realize, I didn't realize it when I signed up for the military, is that you have an obligation of eight years to the Army, regardless of what your contract says. Uh, at least this is what it was when I was in. So I signed a four-year contract. So I was under the impression that at the fourth year, you know, whenever I got out, that that was it. Apparently not. There's a inactive ready reserve unit that you're supposed to report to um, when you get out. So even after you come home, you can still get called back up. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody told you that when you enlisted. No. Uh-huh. They don't tell you lots of shit when you S- when you enlist. Surprise. Yeah. But uh, I just kind of reminded myself there. Yes. Um. Our very best to Jesse Sperling. I mean, you know, just do what you got to do and come the fuck home. Um. But also, welcome back home. Welcome to Eric Laney. Um, you know, <laughs> just hang in there. Uh, you know, it'll be all right. Yeah, and to Jesse, if if any of those guys out there, if they want anything from us, you name it, we'll send it. Send us an address, uh, APO, whatever. We you know, Shit, we'll send you a fucking bumper sticker ugly in the morning, you know, just plaster that shit on your fucking, uh, on your bunker. There you go. Um, if Hustler still makes uh, printed publications, we'll, we'll <laughs> set you up there as well. Fuck yeah. Um, so anyway, wh- what were you saying? Uh, Damien Rodriguez, Portland, Iraqi restaurant. I, I just want to point one thing out. The, the guy's a sergeant major, right? So yes. this is one. Of, it's basically like one of the highest ranks you can get up to on the enlisted side of being in the military. Uh, being a command sergeant major or sergeant major of the army, sergeant major of the Marine Corps, whatever. Um, he's he's high up there. It means he's been in there for like fucking 20 years, you know. Um, he's about our age now. Yeah. yeah. You, you think about the level of responsibility, okay. When you, when you first start off in a squad leader position, that's like your first uh, management type, I guess you could say, position in the military. Uh, you're You're in control of a squad which is like, you know, four or five guys, you know. And, and so when something happens, uh, when something happens to a, a small group of guys like that, you take it you take it seriously and you're like, these are my fucking guys. I know each one of these guys independently and I know their, I know their stories like thoroughly. You've assumed responsibility for these young men under your command. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you... And then you progress, and you get promoted to a staff sergeant, you know, and then and then you're a, a section sergeant or something like that, and you take on several more uh, people. Then you get promoted to you know platoon sergeant, and you take on the whole platoon, okay. And then 
it just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And then you get to the point where you're sergeant major, uh, you're commanding uh, an entire battalion. You know, you've got like, I don't know, upwards of uh, probably four or five hundred guys mm-hmm. at the most. You know, like that you're. Uh, I don't know. The higher you get, I would imagine, the more it impacts you. So whenever you start losing guys, you know, and either if you're at fault or not, you know, it impacts you one way or another. And you find you find yourself personally accountable for anything that happens to anybody that's under your command. And this is a different level of management, man. It's not, it's not like you're in an office, you know, and somebody, Oh, I forgot to order paper. Now we're, we can't make copies. You know, this is life or death shit. Not having trouble with your TPS reports. Yeah. Yeah. So when something fucks up, you know, you got people's lives at stake. So the stakes are a lot higher than a typical management position. So it, I would think it'd be expected that PTSD is a result of, you know, losing guys and having shit go wrong. You know, the fucking uh, un- unfortunate circumstances in the, in the battle zone, you know, like it affects people differently. You know, it, it's not something that um, a lot of people are cut out for, I would think. I mean, it's not human nature to deal with this kind of shit. No, God, it can't be. Why am I holding this gun? I have no idea. Okay. But th- this is a dicey story uh, because of the gray area, because of the interpretation of it. Uh, what Sergeant Rodriguez did was bad, clearly. I mean, he unprovoked uh, attacked an Iraqi waiter in a restaurant. Well, uh, part of the backstory of this is uh, they were they were doing a celebration that night. It was something in honor of the Marine Corps. And uh, on their way home, him and another guy, uh, they had been drinking, yep. you know, and they were hungry. You know, after drinking, you got to eat something. And mm-hmm. so they saw this Iraqi restaurant and they'd spent four tours in Iraq. So they, they figured, you know, they didn't hate the place. I think that's what a lot of people need to take from stories like this is that just because a guy, a military service guy that spent four tours in Iraq goes into an Iraqi restaurant and bashes a chair over somebody's head doesn't mean that they hate Iraqi people. They went into the place uh, seeking some kind of comfort level. You know, they had spent time in that country. They they had adopted little, the culture. A little familiarity. Yeah, they're looking for some some kind of uh, remembrance, I guess, of their deployment time. They'd been over there, and so that's what they went in there to do. Something snapped. You know, maybe 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 one of the waiters looked at them the wrong way. You know, maybe in a similar fashion that you know somebody over in Iraq and uh, that somebody that, that had sh- blown up an IED. You know, it was the same familiar look somebody did before they fucking detonated a, an IED. You right. Know, you never know right. what triggers these things. Okay, so so based on that, it's very, very easy to, to take a, a, a sympathetic view on on Sergeant Rodriguez. You, you, you feel for him because... It, well, it's sympathetic, but it's it doesn't... It's not right. Okay, but then think of the other... Um, on the other hand, the guy who was assaulted was a young Iraqi man who... Um, his story is no sunnier than Sergeant Rodriguez. I mean, uh, he lost, um, basically lost everything as a young man in Iraq at a college age. And, and he had to, he fled and he wound up going through like six different countries before he finally found himself in the United States. And he had a really fucked up past too. So there ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. 
there's only you and me and we just disagree but I, <laughs> the point I, I don't know I, I I'm I'm having trouble reconciling this story because there's a there's a there's an underlying beauty here to this story. Um, there is. Uh, where did where was the story from, by the way? If somebody wants to go back and listen to it, Portland. No, no, I mean the actual article. Oh, um, it, the New York Times, the Daily Podcast. Um, I believe on Friday. Yesterday. Yeah, Friday, November third. Yeah, yeah. So if if you go back and listen to it, there, there's there's I don't know if you caught this or not, but there's a there's a little uh, symbolic thing of beauty here is that when they interviewed the the owner. Uh, the guy that had uh, was from Iraq. Yes, he he had stated that he he completely understood uh, this guy's frustration, yeah. the, the Marine Corps Sergeant Major's frustration. Yeah, he said he was he would be willing to you know forgive him and uh, move past this whole thing. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, that, that comes from I believe this whole time and service that you spend in these countries uh, as a soldier. You go over there. Most of the time, you know, you don't have a political affiliation or perspective when you're going to these countries. You're following orders, like you're you're doing what you're told, and what you're being told to do. Uh, in, in some of these instances, is is rebuilding nations. You're establishing uh, relationships and communications with locals, and you're getting to know these people and their culture. It's it, a lot of Americans think that, you know, soldiers just go over there and kick down doors and shoot guns and blow shit up and yeah, yeah, fucking hoo you know. Isn't that true? That's part of it. Uh, but there's more to it than that. There's, um, you know, soldiers uh, spend a lot of time studying the culture, studying where are they at, you know. Are you in the Middle East? Are you in, uh, are you in uh, Asia? Where, where are you at? You learn the culture. And you learn why people are the way they are, and then you you almost develop a, a sort of sympathy or empathy for these people for why they're so frustrated. Did you ever read Sun Tzu, The Art of War? I did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. No, just a moment ago, you mentioned following orders. Yeah. Okay. That that's a, a perfect segue. That brings me around to the other name in the headlines this weekend, and that's Bo Bergdahl. Fucking move. Okay, I'm, you guys probably don't even know he was the guy who uh, he he deserted his base um, and was uh, uh, caught by uh, Al Qaeda, and uh, basically they they kept him in captivity for five years. Um, yeah, you know how this whole thing played out. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, What'd you say he was earlier? Like a he's he's now a staff sergeant or some shit. I I thought it hey, said fucking, staff sergeant. Fuck off, man. He was a PFC whenever when he abandoned his post. All right. And then I'm fucking off. I read no, 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 wrong. No. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying no. I'm God not saying damn. you fuck off. I'm saying the military needs to fuck off with this because they're they're giving him uh, promotions each year based on. Uh, what he would have achieved if he was still serving, you know, in his unit. Fuck off, man. No, those promotions come with going to uh, review boards and getting evaluated and, and developing points, a point system based on, like, academics and going to school. And Yeah, fuck him. He's been, he's been in jail. Why should he get promoted? Well, okay, but coming back around to the headline, um, he was on trial and... Um it's finally over and done with. It turns out he's not going to serve any actual jail time. They felt that uh, 
you know, his five years as a uh, an Al Qaeda prisoner was was punishment enough. However, he was, um, was self inflicted. Well, it was he got a uh, dishonorable discharge, stripped of all veteran status and any uh, military benefits, anything like that. Yeah, but knowing this country, though, he'll start a fucking lawsuit and he'll sue the fucking military and get away with it. Okay, okay, okay. This this is exactly the uh, stance I expected you would take on Bergdahl. Yeah. And and I don't necessarily disagree with you. However, I just want to kind of posit something to you just to get your take on it. Okay. Um, uh, the details, uh, I've had five of these shots now, so the details <laughs> are a little bit fuzzy. But basically, he left his base and he was going to walk to another base to report... Um, wrongdoings. He was going to... Um, what? R- r- uh, oh God, how do I put this? Something was wrong in his unit. Um, he, so basically, he was going to walk to another base to report wrongdoings within his unit. That's that, not the story I heard. That was his explanation. Really? Yeah, he said he left the base um, because he basically wanted to report his unit. Um, there was some kind of, I don't know, mistreatment, something like that. And he basically couldn't get his message across within his own unit, so he was going to defect to another one to try to make his voice heard to uh, express what was going on in his unit. Yeah, his fucking stress card was probably maxed out. Okay, okay. So, yes, um, you you being a veteran, you see desertion, right? And I, I think that's, yeah. that's what all veterans are going to see, because well, he abandoned his post. He put lives at risk. Well, you, if you go back to the original stories, they interviewed uh, you know all the other PFCs and specialists and stuff that served with him, and they, they said he was a um, uh, sympathizer towards you know the 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 muslim uh culture and then the the radical muslim culture like he understood why the muslims were all pissed off but instead of just realizing it and then just continuing to do his job he wanted to do more than that he wanted to desert what he was doing and join their cause because he believed it that much that was the original story so, okay i hadn't heard that i i had read yeah, he started studying the Quran and 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 what? he yeah he became more of an empathizer with why the Muslims were so pissed off against the Americans and he wanted to join that cause. That's why he deserted. Is that fact or yeah. is that simply conjecture? No, that's that was that came from the uh, the DoD interviews that they did with all of his uh, platoon. See, I re- I read that he basically just went to another base because um, he there couldn't... was no other base. You couldn't walk by foot to any other base in that area. Well, I think that's what he was trying to do. Well, he's that's a fucking idiot, then. All right, well, then you just blew this whole segment out of the water because <laughs> I was going to ask you something that was related to him walking to another base. Mm. No. Um, and that was, if he was having problems in his own unit... Um, Have you ever been like in a in a situation at work or at school where you know that your problems, whatever problem you're having, they're not going to want to hear it. They're not going to give a fuck. Yeah, kind of like say uh, for for example, say you you grow up with two junky parents, mm-hmm. um, abusive junky parents, um, and they're not going to listen to you know you can you can complain about your treatment and they're not going to give a shit. Well, okay, maybe you could go tell a teacher what's going on at home, um, but unless that teacher is able to full-on save you, 
basically what's going to happen is your parents are going to get wind of what you did and they're going to beat your ass and lock you in the basement with only a jar to pee in. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of, I you know, in, in the original scenario that I had heard, I kind of had some sympathy for him. Thinking, well, what were the conditions, though? I mean, how much of the bitching was just him being a fucking pussy? Yeah, the, and that's exactly it. I mean, he could have just been being a whiny cunt and just, eh, I'm not happy here. Well, what I used to tell my, tell my guys when I was a squad leader, I used to tell them when they start getting bitchy and cunny about, you know, doing ever, everyday regular tasks, tasks that just sucked, which I understood. I got it. Right. It sucks. Nobody wants to fucking do it. But what I used to tell my guys was, you signed the fucking line. You're the one that enlisted. You volunteered. Nobody forced you at gunpoint to join the fucking military. So be a man about it. Do what the fuck you're being told and shut the fuck up. But that's, I guess, that's kind of my question. Say, say, as a soldier, you I are... like how I instinctively, as I'm saying that, I'm doing my knife hand. I see that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, say, say that you're on order. You are instructed to do something that you find morally reprehensible that, that like you what? just cannot. I don't know. Like what? But I'm just saying. I mean, nobody's going to tell you to go over there and rape that fucking cow, or you know, go shoot that lady in the fucking head. Like nobody's saying that shit. Right, but I'm I'm saying in a in a normal civilian job, if you really really object to something that they're having you do, you can quit. You can go there's to a, HR. There's a chain of command. Though. That's, go, there's a there's a more structured chain of command in the military than there is in any kind of civilian workplace. But and if, that's the that's the thing I. I call bullshit on this about is because say if you're squad leader, that's your, you know, if you're a PFC, that's your immediate supervisor. He tells you something fucked up. Yeah. There's a chance that that, that could happen. He could tell you to do something that's uh, ethically or mor morally wrong. You take it above his head. You take it to the section sergeant and the section sergeant usually will put that shit to fucking rest. You know what I mean? Like it's done. And that, and that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes, dude. That, that chain of command, the section sergeant does not want it going to the platoon sergeant. Platoon sergeant does not want it going to the uh, company commander or the sergeant major or hire. Dude, the shit goes all the way up through the Department of Defense. Okay, like, <laughs> that was kind of my question. If you're in the military and you have a beef with the military, who are you going to tell? Who's going to hear you out? Nobody. Nobody. No, I mean, fuck, dude. It, it, there's been examples over time where there's been like military uh, injustice. Sure. That's what the Uniform Code of Military Justice is for. That's why they wrote it. It was to, you know, have some kind of uh, effort to provide justice for people that feel like they're being wrong, wrongfully treated or whatever. Or some kind of codes that are being broken. It's all laid out. You present your case based on that, the, that book, fine. You might have a case. But if you don't, shut the fuck up. Do your fucking job and shut the fuck up. All right, Bill Belichick, got it. <laughs> Man, I feel like we are in dire need of a dick joke right about now. <laughs> no, dude. It, dude, it's... All right, back back to the Sergeant Major story. Taking all this into consideration, they're high-stress environments, man. Like, you're, like I said, you're dealing with this train of command. You're dealing with everybody in the military. I don't give a shit who you are. You're going to do shit that you don't want to do. One day or another, you know, and it's going to be shit that's really tries your patience and your fucking uh, fortitude to fucking just carry on. But you push through it. You know what I mean? But when you're a sergeant major, you got 20 years of doing this shit. Yeah. I think it's kind of expected that one day you're going to break. 
I mean, PTSD is a real thing. You're referring to Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You could just be sitting in a coffee shop or like this guy in an Iraqi restaurant. Something happens. Something triggers, you know, some kind of emotion or something that you, you dealt with in your past that fucking snap. But that that's the dodgy part right there. I sympathize with the man, and PTSD is fucked up. And, and clearly... You want him to get better. You want him to be able to acclimate and make peace with what he's done. You, you don't want to just leave him. Uh, you don't want to just, you know, cast him aside, throw him to the wind, whatever. You know, he served his time. He served his country. You, you want him to get better. So I, I side with him. But the other part of me says, okay, well, wh- what's to say that this shit isn't going to happen again? Maybe he's not able to wrestle with these demons maybe he's not gonna get better maybe he's not gonna get past this and maybe next time he's gonna snap and do something worse well i I could be completely wrong with my psychology and theory here but i I feel like the people that are that uh vested in (laughs) their military service Mm -hmm. need to stay doing something like don't retire like they need to stay uh, you know, if they're say if they're forced to retire from the military, yeah. get a job with the DOD. You know, do do something with the uh, some kind of military uh, contractor. Do something. Stay because there's people like that, man. Like it's hard when you get out to to just turn that off that military side of things. Like, things are very simplistic, very back, black and white. You know, decisions are made in split seconds. Uh, when you get out in the real world, it's not like that. There's gray areas. You have to take your time and think things through before you talk and you know it's some people cannot adjust to that lifestyle so staying in that lifestyle sometimes might be better for people like that you know get get a job where there is a regimen where there is a daily routine where you know you do have superiors that are telling you what to do every day uh sometimes when you're left to your own freedom you tend to make fucked up decisions yeah Oh, Christ, fucking tell me about it. (laughs) So you're saying he shouldn't be stacking pants at the Banana Republic? Probably not, no. Okay. Man, okay, and for the record, for those of you that can't see this, uh, this, the last five minutes, this is about the most animated that Ben has been in all 29 episodes of Ugly (laughs) in the Morning. I mean, you came alive there for a minute. Dude, it's something. It's something I take personally, man. Like I, I really feel like. Well, yeah, I can see that pretty clearly. I, I, I feel like uh, a lot of this nation, like, is is false support for the military. Yeah. It's not like it's not like a cause that, uh, you know, founded this country anymore. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a, there's a portion of this country that supports our military genuinely. Right. But I think the rest of it is lip service. You know, yeah. buying these fucking yellow ribbon magnets that you put on your car. I support the troops. Fuck you. Yeah, no, fuck off. Like, real support. Real fucking support, man. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like, whatever happened to, you know, the teachers that, uh, you know, they, they get the addresses for uh, d- uh, divisions and uh, battalions and stuff that are deployed, and they make their class write letters to them. I did that mm-hmm. back in uh, the Gulf War. I wrote to... Uh, our teacher made us write to somebody that was serving over there in uh, in Saudi. Really? Yeah. And he wrote back, sent a picture of him hanging off a tank and all that shit. And I was like, this is fucking cool. This is fucking badass. You know? Where, right. Where's that shit anymore? All right. Well, for a minute there, I thought you were burning bridges. Burning bridges? Yep. Oh, well, I could do that. 
And speaking of burden and bridges, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. This has been episode 29. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. I hope we uh, we made your, your commute to work just a little bit better. We're sorry about our extended absence. Uh, we'll try not to leave you hanging like that. Um, you know, just bear with us while we uh, plod through life and, and uh, you know, face our trials and tribulations and, and uh, try to just push ourselves through to the other side. So that's it, Ben. You got any final thoughts? No, just uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.uglypodcast.com. And uh, any special requests that come out of Afghanistan, you got it. All right. And uh, we're brought to you by uh, Tim and Vonda at Tim's Till and Seed in Dothan, Alabama. And that is it, guys. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It's good to be back. And we will talk to you next week. Everybody take care. (laughs) 